2: This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening 5 to 7, the second-best exotic Marigold Hotel, Danny Collins, and more. On Thursday, May 14th at 7 p.m., the E-Bar hosts a book launch for Open Up the Sky by Heather Carden and Rob O'Flanagan. The Bookshelf is an independently-owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. State of control with Bish Kana. On this episode, a conversation with Montreal hip hop artist So Called about his new star-studded album "People Watching." We talk about conservatism in hip hop culture, Chinese-Indian fusion cooking, the As It Happens theme song for the CBC Radio show As It Happens, and So Called's involvement in redesigning it and uh, much more much more you'll also hear new music by so-called on this show so check it out if you enjoy the creative control podcast and want to support it with a monthly pledge please visit patreon.com slash creative control that's T-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash creative control with two Ks. You can pledge $1 a month or $4, $8, $30, $50, $100 a month, whatever you want. There are gifts and incentives to pledge. but More than anything, you can keep the show going. There's no other revenue stream for this podcast. I've been doing it for my own fulfillment and to contribute something to the culture But I think it's time to see if I can generate some kind of salary from all of this work. So, if you appreciate creative control, again, please consider pledging a monthly amount. All of the info you need is at patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you.
1: i People 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 People
2: so called is the moniker of a talented musical mastermind named Josh Dolgan, who calls Montreal home. As someone who truly embraces the open ended and multifaceted aspects of hip hop culture, So Called's music reflects virtually every kind of noise and genre touchstone the world has yielded to date. His fifth album is a joyous and star studded, but ultimately all so called affair called People Watching. It's out now via Dare to Care Records, and here to discuss it further is Josh Dolgan, aka So Called. Uh, hey Josh, how's, how's it going? Awesome, Vish. Thanks for calling. How are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. I, uh, I, I'm i I'm glad to, to speak with you. It seems like it's been a couple of years since you and I talked.
0: Yeah, it, it, I, I don't put out enough records to talk to you enough. But, I guess I guess.
2: Uh, I guess. Yeah. I, I spoke to you for the last album. Was it for the season or for the one before that, even? I think it was for... Well, it was for Sleepover. Is that, Has there been an album okay. since Sleepover? I can't even remember.
0: Yeah, like a, but it was sort of a weird... It was a musical... So that was a little
2: different. Oh. But anyway, okay, okay.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you too. It's 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 kind of fun too.
2: I don't know that I. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I got the season. I I read about it in the in the press or whatever the bio for this record, and I didn't know what it was. Okay, well, there you go. You wrote a. Everyone's mus- got to have a hobby. You wrote a musical. Two. What What do you mean you wrote you wrote two musicals? That's kind of unbelievable. What, what were they about? <laughs> well, one, uh, the
0: first one, the season. Is uh, with puppets these fuzzy puppets that I make, and it's like set in a forest, and it's this alien comes from another planet and meets the animals, and uh, and then the hunter comes and this and that, and that was that was awesome, and that's the record called The Season, and yeah, so and then I wrote another musical for the Yiddish theater of Montreal, and it's based on these uh, these Jewish gangster stories from the from the early. 20th century by Isaac Babel, so it's called Isaac Babel's Odessa Stories. Okay. And yeah, and that's all in Yiddish, and that never came out as a record, but that's that's fun too.
2: Okay, oh, geez, I didn't know. But take
0: your time. I have some pals here from uh, Seattle, and they're they're looking at the vinyl. And uh, if you don't mind hearing me babble about myself, you're welcome to keep looking.
2: Oh, what? Are you talking to me? You're talking to them. You're no, I'm talking... Not talking to
0: them. I'm talking to you. I don't know who I'm talking yeah, to. So yeah, no. I wrote two musicals.
2: Okay. All right. No, that's fair. Now, you have a lot of guests. You have guests from Seattle in your home. That's nice. But you also <laughs> have a lot of guests on people watching. But at the same time, you're rapping more than you did on Sleepover, as far as I can tell. What what prompted you to assert yourself more here?
0: Uh, you know what? Some people, Some people actually wanted that and said, you know like I, I don't know I kind of listen to people's reactions to the music and and help it guide me. So people were like we want to hear you rapping more. Uh and I, I I mean I usually like to actually work with quote unquote professional rappers and I like hearing like them on my tracks. Yeah. But but uh they were like we wanted to hear they wanted to hear more of me. And frankly, I have to do sort of shows with this music and so it made sense if I wrote myself Material to perform, uh, so I had something to do <laughs> in these concerts, and uh, so yeah, so I wrote, I, I rap more, and I love rapping. I just sort of never get around to writing myself new verses. So, so it was a good excuse to expand the the repertoire.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now you you do tell a lot of jokes in your rhymes. Do you, do you think this makes yeah. it more difficult for some people to take you seriously as a rapper or a hip hop artist?
0: Huh, I mean, no. Not necessarily, maybe. I mean, maybe if they don't like that, sure. But uh, but there's certainly a, a tradition of that kind of rap, you know, where it's kind of puns and wordplay. Uh, like, yeah, some of my favorite rappers are that. And and I think there's a range of rap on the record, too. Uh, there's sort of a more serious kind of rap, and there's a the more, like, reference-y, hashtag-y kind of rap, um, which, whatever, it could... I don't know, I, I'm curious how hip-hop fans uh will like it or not do you whatever.
2: yeah I, there's a there's a few people who are like you that i i consider to be pure hip-hop artists but for whatever reason wouldn't be lumped into that category and i can't figure it out do, do, do you find it difficult to gain acceptance generally from the hip-hop community or do you do you feel like you're part of it
0: uh, I feel like I'm part of it, whether the community likes it or not, because I've been making beats for over 20 years now, and uh, rapping for 20 years, and like, uh, like I know my shit, and I, and I, I like it's. I listen to it, like it's just the music that I love. So uh, hip hop has a way of being an incredibly insular, conservative community, and I just I won't accept it. Like I, I just I exist to sort of. Explode the hip hop, like conservatism, um, and 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 there's a, like hip hop is so huge now that it it includes a lot of different voices and different vibes. So so yeah, I mean, just the other day, I finally went on this show in Montreal called Off the Hook, and it's like the first time I've been on that show, and and I've lived in Montreal for 20 years, and it was the first time that I'd been on the English hip hop show. Oh it's, a, it's a, oh,
2: it's a A U T. Oh, it's a hip hop show on the College Station.
0: Yeah, and it was the first time, and I went in, and it was awesome. I was just so glad to finally be a part of the Montreal. I mean, I've been listening to it since I moved to Montreal, and so to finally be a part of it was was really cool. And I know the DJ on it, like he's a he's an acquaintance. Yeah, he's awesome DJ Buddha Blaze, who works with um a tribe called Red. Uh, and and it was just it was an honor to be there, and I played the music, and he loves it, and he was like thinking that these were dope beats. So so like yeah, and I know everybody in the Montreal hip hop scene. Like not everybody, actually, there's a lot of new crews and new kids rhyming and stuff, especially in the francophone scene that I don't know, mm-hmm. but it seems to be a pretty healthy scene. Well, it sort of takes care of itself. It's sort of like it's hard to break out of the French Canadian hip hop scene. Like if you're if you're that, you're not really going to expand out of that. Yeah, Very easily.
2: Yeah, you spoke you spoke of conservatism earlier, and I want to touch upon that a little bit because I'm curious if you think that conservatism emanates more from the fans. Uh, and I, of course, we're we're gonna have to speak in general terms here. But I, I I'm <laughs> I, I'm hearing hip hop. I was listening to uh, Kendrick Lamar's "To Pimp a Butterfly" today, and it occurs to me that there seem to be a lot of advances and artistic advances going on within the music. And I'm, cur- oh. I, but at the same time, when I go to shows, I sometimes feel like the fans are feeling the classic stuff maybe more uh. than the newer stuff. I mean, this happens with every genre, you know. A band pumping out a new album or plugging a new album, their hits are going to get a bigger response maybe than their their new stuff because people are less familiar with it maybe. Right, but I also wonder if it's a stylistic thing um in some cases and, and particularly in hip hop when you refer to conservatism, what are you referring to there? Is it more the way people are receiving it or the or the music that's being made?
0: Whew. that's a toughie that's a complicated uh little preamble you just
2: made i try- I tried to answer the question that I was posing to you oh. as I was asking it.
0: Okay, but you sort of asked, answered, uh, replied, gave the like the the alternative uh, viewpoint, and then rebuttaled all the all in one.
2: I know and it's that's, be- that's it's to be commended. I, I don't know if that was a, a <laughs> proper interviewing technique at all. It probably wasn't. <laughs> it was
0: proper. It was totally proper. Uh, it was. It's a little scary for me, but it was proper. Okay, let me see. I, appre- I, mean, like, I, I, I do appreciate. <laughs> I, appre-
2: I do appreciate you stalling to think about the answer by examining yeah, my and, question. and then I came up with it. I got it, I got it, okay, I got it. go, 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 go.
0: Uh, oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> uh, damn, what were we talking about again?
2: I, I don't uh, remember. The,
0: the conservatism I see more just in the, like, more in the fans, I guess, or in the, like, the, the consumers of the, of the culture and of the music, in that, you know, people want to dress in a certain costume if they're quote unquote hip hop heads, they like dress a certain way.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, even, but then in the in the creation, in the in the in the production, like all the beats sound the same now. Like like uh, or the, the 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 groove, the sort of all the sort of gestures of the music are get like they sort of start to sound the same. Uh, that being said, then then someone comes along and blows it up and just like. Totally, re- re- like flips the script, and it's like, oh, that's the thing, and then everybody copies that. I think that's in all genres, uh, and that's how things evolve, and that's how styles are created, and that's cool. Uh, and 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 yeah. So I don't know. I don't know, Vish, I still, I don't, I still don't really understand your question. Oh
2: come on, really? I know. I agree. It was, a, <laughs> it was a convoluted question. It was just basically where you think the conservatism in hip hop might be emanating from. I think you spoke to it. <sighs> Although I, yeah, I, I feel I like mean, also it,
1: politically,
0: I, I ideologically, politically, like it, it sort of appeals to, or it seems, to, I don't know, like the certain sort of homophobia or like xenophobia that that comes with some like hardcore hip hop shit, or sexism and racism and stuff that is kind of like a weird right wingy conservative thing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: That that I don't. I, I don't know where that came from, but it's also the most progressive music that you can get sometimes. And like, there's some incredibly amazing voices being heard now from like, from different, different, different viewpoint, like different voices are, are showing up.
2: Well,
1: it's and a... different
0: minority voices and stuff. And, and it's sort of, it's a it's a, it's a platform for a lot of dissent and for critique of the, of the, of the world and of, Whatever dominant ideologies and blah blah blah.
2: No, no, so, hit, I think you're hitting. I know you're trying to, to to kind of just brush this off a little bit, or, or just you know you're kind of <laughs> you're being self conscious about what you're saying. But I think there is something to be said about the fact that so many of us supported hip hop uh, as an aspirational cultural form. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you 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 were people wanted to root for hip hop probably when they first encountered it because the stories were so. In some cases, anyway, the stories were so much about people trying to transcend their circumstance. But then, yeah. at the same time, uh, maybe once that's done, uh, the materialistic aspects of hip-hop very much are in line with uh, conservatism, with sort of market yeah. e- market economy speak. But, big time. And so you're just... And like
0: sort of buying into, yeah, buying into mass. Culture. It's weird that like such an alternative, uh, rebellious form like became not that. It what? Became quite the opposite. It became about consumerism and and sort of just bullshit.
2: Well, but, um, but I mean, within that aspirational aspect of it, I think there is this hope, that, h- hope for acceptance, right?
0: Or hope for economic, like like a way of a way of surviving poverty in the ghetto or whatever uh is to think about like making it and having a fancy car and it's just the sort of the the trappings of what is making it is what's sort of depressing it's like okay i made it so now i have a big gold chain well i mean did you really make it like is this is this really the answer it's not really the answer that that i think someone like public enemy was looking for no uh, when they when they were starting their rebellious sort of actually politically engaged hip hop, but like anything, it sort of comes and goes in waves, and and it's people react against that, and then that create that fuels another kind of inspiration and another kind of another another idea. Yeah. And and then people react against that and whatever, and you sort of pick your your shit, and then there's good music or bad music that comes out in 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 any in any of those extremes, and that's sort of another story, <laughs> like actually, what's the good music of it all like I like jay Z you know yeah some of it uh it's not my favorite thing, but like like i i like it's great like but it's not- it's not really it doesn't really reflect my my philosophy, but it doesn't have to
2: you know what's your what is your favorite thing
0: my favorite thing in the whole world of anything <laughs> like a, or music? What do you mean?
2: Well, let's do both. I I I don't know why. You seem like a de la soul person to me. Were they big?
0: Definitely, definitely a de la soul tribe called Quest kind of person, for sure. Uh, the all those native tongue kind of yeah. kind of grooves. But like, boy, I love Eze, and I love uh, Big L.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
0: And I love Ice Cube. I like I like I like Tupac. Like I I still listen to Tupac a ton. I like Biggie. Uh I, I am sort of stuck in the nineties a little bit. Uh but I love I love Mad Villain and of course Jay Dilla and and like quasi moto, like stuff that was from the sort of new new millennium. Uh up until I mean the new Kendrick Lamar album is fucking kick ass. Yep. And even Drake, like, I don't really listen to it, but when I hear it, it's like, damn, that's, like, well-made shit. That's, like, (laughs) that's pretty awesome. So I'm not really a fan of it. It doesn't touch me sort of somehow. There's something a little bit contrived or sort of theatrical about it that doesn't hit me the same way, like, Big L hits me. It's just, like, straight from the heart kind of rap.
2: Yeah, I feel like like Drake goes in waves for people maybe like you and people like me where uh I can't think of a more contrived rapper. Yeah. Like just I can't yeah. I can't think of someone with a, a backstory so spotty and and then but <laughs> but people also are like, yeah, but like listen to them like that's fine. Like that shouldn't maybe have any bearing on how I uh Yeah, and that's sort sp- of
0: true. That's it. Like just listen to it. Like does it is it good? And it kinda is. Like uh Chili Gonzalez was just over at my house the other day, cause he was doing concerts in Montreal yeah, and we were hanging out and he's, he was really listening to a lot of Drake and he, we listened to some of it together and it's like, I it was, it's fucking awesome. Like, uh, like I appreciate it. Damn. I was going to tell you, I told you that for a reason, not just to dro- name drop Chili Gonzalez. What was the reason?
2: Oh. Ah. I, oh well, I they forget. they collaborated a little bit at the Junos once. Drake and Chili Gonzalez. Yeah,
0: and and on his mixtape, they they worked together actually. He's on the Drake album and shit. Oh okay. Um, oh yeah, no, that's right. Why was I good? Well, I can't remember. I, was talking, Damn, I, I had a
2: good I, point. I, I was talking about how his backstory was so contrived, and it it makes it hard to process him seriously. And like I, yeah, I still listen to the new stuff, and I don't. I'm still not like, yeah, this is amazing. I think like. I've heard some pretty cool guest verses. I've heard some okay stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I, it's just not hitting me. It's not hitting me. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, but you can appreciate the art of creating those perfect like the perfect product, you know? It's product. Yeah. And it's and it's mixed incredibly well and the hooks are catchy and everything is there, you know? Yeah. But it's like it's not I'd rather hear something that wasn't all there but had a bit more soul.
2: Yeah, or scrappiness, maybe even. I mean, you you you, yeah. you said something interesting about how you're still stuck in the '90s, and I think I'm. That, for whatever reason, has become this golden era of hip hop.
0: <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's just simple as that, and it's not. It's not really difficult to see why. Uh, I mean, it's just like it matured right then. The technology was right for the time. Uh, the Clinton era, the sort of it was pre nine 11. Yeah. Uh, There was like the technology was really coming together, like computers to use music, to make music uh, was like really sort of happening for the first time. People were discovering that and they were getting out of like late seventies, eighties where they were actually creating the culture out of nothing. So it was like, it had been created. Okay. And then they were honing it and it was getting better. And like, and it really sort of came together. It's like jazz. Like there was a golden age of jazz.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Where it just was never really better than that. Uh, uh, And, and at the time it was like, Oh look, this new album from Tribe Called Quest came out. It's like, wow, this is an amazing record. Listen to this. It's like, we sort of took it for granted. It was like, Oh, I guess records like this are just going to come out all the time. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard a record as good as Midnight Marauders. Basically, since that came out in
2: 1993.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I but mean, maybe it's also because we were 16 at the time, and when you're 16, shit is real. Like, 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 boy, it's exciting when you're 16. This is it. Like, oh, like I, I don't know. I like I sort of have never been more excited about music than when I was 16.
2: Right, and and the,
0: and the music that was coming out then when you're 16. Not like when I was 16, I also loved the JBs and and Fred Wesley and James Brown music, but that was old music already. Yeah. So this was new music when you're 16. This is the music for you, like, then. So it was, like, really important feeling.
2: Yeah, I agree. I was also 16 when the that, that <laughs> Tribe record came out. I was the exact same age as yeah. you. And, 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 I mean, it's true. Like, I think that for us, looking back on that, like, so much time has passed since then, and you can't help but be potentially nostalgic for that time yeah. and you know yep. some some kid who's 16 now is going to be like remember when that kendrick lamar album came out holy god yeah, or
0: that so-called album
2: right or the so-called album yeah exactly right? exactly hey, am i right i agree i agree because I, I,
0: I think this is really the golden age of so-called right now 2015
2: nice segue into talking about yourself <laughs> that's good so who else is on this record of yours <laughs> i mentioned it earlier works. i mentioned earlier that you uh uh, kind of have asserted yourself with more raps, but you've got, you mentioned Fred Wesley, I mean, you've got some great people on this record.
0: Yeah, I mean, I tried to have fewer than before, but I just kept, like,
2: inviting people and hooking it up and meeting
0: people and asking them, and in the end, there's, like, 30 I invited people on the record, and and actually, I sort of found a new level of, like, comfort in myself, in that process, like that's what it's all about for me now, like mm-hmm. I realize that's what I like doing. I like putting shit together, putting people together, and that's that's the fun so so uh, yeah, so that's cool, and so who's on it there's um like uh this guy Josie Wales, who is a uh, like a real Jamaican dance hall legend from the eighties uh there's this guy Yves Lambert, who's like a québécois québécois folk guy, like the king of québécois folk, right. Uh, there's this chick who works at a restaurant up on Jean Talon, uh, a Chinese Indian fusion restaurant. What? Apparently there's a ton of Chinese people living in India. So oh. it, when, when Indian people cook for the Chinese, they make Chinese food, but it's like Indian food. Have you ever had that?
2: No. Is it good?
0: It's unbelievable. So it started with just going to that place for the, for the hot and sour soup, which is like just. Transcendental. Where is it?
2: What is the place called? On, where is it? I'm not telling you what it's called because I'll tell you
0: why. Because this girl works at it. This gorgeous girl is at the counter. And we started talking to her. And it turns out her father was this guy, uh, Chamkila. Have you ever heard of Chamkila? No. So he was, is sort of the father of Punjabi pop music. Oh, really? Uh, look him up. He sings in Punjabi, and he was, like, singing about, like, secular things. He was talking about politics, food and sex and, and drugs and stuff, like, at a time when that was not so cool. And, in fact, it was so not cool that he was assassinated when, oh. before he was 30 years old. Oh. He was killed on stage with his singing partner, this amazing woman voice, who I, I can't
2: remember her name. She was killed um, on stage? But up, oh, my God. Yeah, they were murdered. Oh, that's
0: When terrible. this girl was a baby.
2: Oh, so you are trying not to divulge her identity?
0: Yes, because, like, people would kill her, too.
2: Oh, my God. That's awful. Like,
0: she's still scared for for her life. And, yeah, it's fucked up. So she's been living in Canada for about six years. She's actually having trouble getting immigrant status, which sucks, because then she has to go back to Punjabi province and like be scared for her life. So hopefully she's going to win her appeal and get to live in Canada. Okay. But she, but like, so I met her and heard her story. And so I invited her into the, into the studio and she sings a Punjabi verse on the people watching song. And she's an awesome girl, Kamal Chamkila. And so look up Chamkila K- It's like, it's just great music. Okay. Um, who else is on it? Uh, Katie Moore who's always on my shit, is on it again. Yep. uh, Because she's awesome.
2: She's the best. She's she's almost the, the, she's like the voice of so-called, really.
0: I mean, she's the voice of so-called. If there had to be one, that would be her for sure.
2: I mean, you're the voice of so-called because you are so-called, but she's essentially, (laughs) I associate Katie with you uh, and your work so much.
0: Me too. I mean, like I get her to sing my shit because I want to hear her singing it.
2: Right. (laughs) Right.
0: Um, and and we get along like in in fact more and more, like she's just like our friendship has deepened and and we we really trust each other in a new way. I play keys on her band and her project too. Is she
1: making a new
0: record?
2: Is, is she making a new record?
0: Yeah, she's got a new record that'll be coming out in the fall. Awesome. Uh, and it's awesome. It's kick ass.
2: Her last I mean, album is one of my favorite records ever.
0: That's well said, sir. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, her songs. Yeah. I love her songs as much as any songs yeah. of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I get to play piano and keys on her records and that's always super fun. Yeah. Um. So Katie Moore is there. And then who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Oh yeah. Oliver Jones. Uh, who is like, well, actually, people call him the Canadian Oscar Peterson.
1: Right. Which is a
0: joke because Oscar Peterson is Canadian. Right. But, uh, but they call him the Canadian. Actually, he learned piano from Daisy Peterson, Oscar's sister, oh. who also taught Oscar Peterson how to play the piano. Oh, And wow. he's 80 years old, and he's like, he's sort of a, it's weird how, um, I'm known he, I mean, he's not unknown, but he's basically the god of of Canadian jazz. Uh and he lives in Montreal, and so I got him on a track that was super fun. Uh, oh yeah, the DJs Rob Swift, Mr. Sinister from Executioners. Yeah, basically from when I was 16, they were my heroes.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh,
1: it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
0: down. So to help
2: us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a
0: thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless had to get 30 30 bit get 30 bit get 20 20 20 bit get 20 20 bet you get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. Sold. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. slash $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40
1: gigabytes per month slows. Full turns at mintmobile.com. Those
0: and so I I got in touch with them and they they did scratches on the record. Uh there's a guy narcissist, a rapper, a lot of Montreal voices, Yves Ember Pierre Paul is this amazing Quebec disco legend.
1: Yeah. Who, who
0: I got to sing a few tunes, he's hilarious.
2: And you uh, and you do you do have a James Brown connection, don't you?
0: Well, Fred Wesley.
2: There you go. You didn't mention what you, mean? you didn't mention him.
0: Okay, well Fred, yeah, I, I mean it's like almost old news. Like I've just worked with him so much now. Yeah. But but he is he's like He's my absolute hero of music. Like, there's nobody above Fred Wesley, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he worked with Ike and Tina Turner, and Parliament, and James Brown, and Count Basie, and a million other things.
2: What's his primary? And, what's his primary instrument? He's a trombone guy. Trombone, right? So, like when James Brown says "Hit Me, Fred," yeah,
0: like in the Payback, which is the funkiest song in the history of recorded music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's Fred Wesley doing a trombone solo. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, so wow, what a dude. And so actually he wrote for my musicals, I sent Fred the music. I said, yo, Fred, write me an overture. And he did. So I have like, he wrote like these amazing, like sort of classical pieces based on my songs for, for, for my musicals. So like I've worked with him a bunch in different ways and it's always awesome. Um, I'm hoping to sort of write a, help him write a book this summer about arranging because he's like the consummate arranger. Uh, And so I've been asking, I told him to, it was sort of this idea I had, like there should be a book, How to Arrange Music by Fred Wesley. And he was into it. So I'm going to go hopefully hang out with him. He's making a new record this summer and I'd love to just hang out and watch him do it and take notes and try to write a book about that. Uh, So that's a little adventure, but, but I was waiting at the airport with him uh, once and I said, Fred, you know, you have a gold card. You're elite. You're so cool. You're Fred Wesley. Why aren't you hanging out in the lounge drinking and eating for free? Uh-huh. Uh, why are you hanging out with a loser like me? And he said, well, so-called, I like people watching. And I said, uh-huh, people watching, cool. And I wrote it down in one of my little bookies. Yeah. And I wrote the song called People Watching. I thought it was a beautiful sort of a beautiful image of a guy who has completely made it and could just be a total dick, but no, he's out just hanging out, enjoying people and enjoying being with, with living in the world and being curious about other people and just like participating. And I thought that was cool. I wrote the song people watching and that's, so that's Fred actually singing the hook on that song.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. I wrote it
0: for Fred. Yeah, Yeah. Nice.
2: It has, it has a very, uh, sort of 70s feel, I guess.
0: Kind of a theme song to a TV show vibe. Yeah, it is a theme, yeah, lately,
2: totally, yeah, that's yeah. What, that's what it is. Yeah.
0: Lately I've been listening to a lot of Mike Post. He yeah. wrote all the theme songs to every every
2: TV show. Did he write the Barney and Miller Did he write the Barney Miller one? No, he didn't. Okay. But that's a great theme song. That's like one of my favorite. Yeah, that's one of the greats. I like like
0: He didn't write a couple of the greats, but he did write The Rockford Files, which is almost as good. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah that's a good one and law and order and doogie hauser and etc etc it's like everything right you every stupid theme song ever so you've been listening uh, to, um, to his work yeah okay and it kind of snuck into my music somehow
2: there's a <laughs> um, we, we we talked about the sense yeah. of humor in in that comes through in some of your raps but the, the the lead song on the record is uh everyone else must fail is that did i say that yeah now? that's sure. a that is uh did i get it right was it right
0: well it's the the full quote is uh it's not enough that I succeed, everyone else must fail
2: yes that's and right It's
0: a quote it's a quote from Genghis Khan <laughs>
2: yeah. i'm sorry Which i don't know I, I don't know why that made me laugh. Why did you seek inspiration from Genghis Khan?
0: I didn't mean to, but just that that statement is so terrible uh but I don't know I just kinda yeah I don't know <laughs> it's like. It's like it's become sort of the dominant ideology of our time, hasn't it?
1: Yeah,
2: um, yeah. It, so, it just uh, captures something very uh, contemporary. You're right, and I and I and from a hip hop, it's such a and to have like Katie sing, it's just an interesting way of having a hook.
0: Yeah, I No, it's it's creepy. So I I put the creepy Genghis Khan line with the sort of most creepy like like kind of. Uh, nightmarish beat that I've made lately, mm-hmm. and I uh, thought, hey, this could be a neat little introduction to this album
2: yeah, well it's great and and do you and and you feel like it's uh you're making some kind of political statement as well i guess so socio political I mean, yeah
0: I don't know what I'm saying exactly, but but just it's sort of hey, what's up like maybe we should think about the fact that uh like one of the most bloodthirsty like uh, like assholes in history, his philosophy has become the dominant philosophy of our of the world. Uh, like, are we doing something wrong here, people? I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah. One of the biggest <laughs> anomalies, I think, maybe in your catalog appears on People Watching. It's a piano and vocal piece called "Fire on Hutchison Street." Sure. What's the What's the deal with that song?
0: Huh? Um, I don't know. I've never written a song like it. You're right. Uh, well, actually, the, I guess sort of the musical, the musicals, uh, wow. like got me into writing songs. Like, and I thought, oh shit, I can write songs. This is fun. And when something happened, uh, there was a fire next door, and this sort of whole story happened. Like, it just sort of was a story that I thought, hey, this could be a song. Yeah. So I wrote a song about it, and I play the piano and I sing it, which I which I do actually a lot uh when I'm not really so called I, I sing a lot of like folk songs and stuff. Like I can do that. I play the accordion, I play the piano and I sing songs. Yeah. Often in, in in a language that I don't actually speak, which is Yiddish. And I sing these old songs from the twenties and thirties or even folk songs from however many hundreds of years ago. And I sing songs at the piano and it's fun. But I never had like a song that I could just sing at the piano. And this story happened and I like, as it was happening, I was like the fire on Hutchison street, like, huh, that's kind of got epic, like, like Elton Johnny kind of Elvis Costello kind of hook to it. That's cool. Like maybe I'll try to write, turn this into a song. I'll just tell the story. And so I did. And, and often on a so-called record, there is a weird song that doesn't really match. Uh, Like, and it's, and it, and it sticks out just in relief. Yeah, yeah. And it is a relief, kind of. It's like, okay, there's all these banging beats and all this all this fusion and, and, and collaboration. Okay, here's just, like, a moment ah, to, like, breathe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess, in like, on the last record, I did uh, the Spring Hill Mine Disaster, which is, like, like, a Canadian folk song. But then I was like, what the hell? I'll just write my own tune. Yeah, and actually, I, when I recorded it, I did it separately, the piano and the vo- voice. Yeah. So now I've had to learn how to actually sing it and perform it at the same time.
2: Well, it's a lovely it's a lovely song. It uh, for some reason today it reminded me of Billy Joel. You mentioned a couple other
0: Cool. No, right. It's more Billy Joely than, than Elvis Costello.
2: Yeah. Okay. We we agree. Uh <laughs> Josh, where where are you actually from? Are you from Montreal?
0: I'm actually from north of Ottawa. A little town called Chelsea, Quebec.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: And moved to Montreal about 15, 20 years ago to go to McGill and stage because it's cheap
2: did you go for music to school I mean
0: no I went for literature literature and okay cult- and cultural studies
2: okay and, and what first got you into music as a, a we so-called
0: I didn't mean to do it I didn't want to be a musician this was not my plan uh, I never really had a plan so so but I I mean I my mother forced me to take piano lessons for a long time. And so I learned piano, and then, then it, then I got an accordion at one point, and then, and then in high school, my mother let me not just study classical piano; I could study jazz. And then I started playing in the school band, and I would play trombone and clarinet and drums in the band. And then, and then I started. This is like the quick uh, so-called yeah, music yeah. history. Sure, history. sure. Okay. And then I started playing in world music bands for some reason. Actually, I know why, because my piano teacher was too high one day on coke that he couldn't do a gig, and so he asked me to fill in for him with this Latin salsa band.
2: Your piano teacher was high on coke?
0: Yeah, and he was just fucked up, and he couldn't do the gig. Am I allowed to say fucked up on your show?
2: Well, you just did.
0: Okay. And was I allowed to? Yeah. Okay, are you going to edit it out? No. Okay. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, he was too fucked up on coke to do the gig So he, well, he you asked don't, me you, to
2: fill in You don't have to emphasize I, it now I, Just because I gave you the <laughs> license to say it You don't have to like, you know, bold well, it I felt
0: like now that I have the license I might as well just like Go ahead. scream it Sure Okay, so I filled in with this Latin salsa band I met the guitarist who was this funky dude And he said, hey, come join this gospel band So I joined the gospel band and then we started recording, and so I started getting into studios and recording in studios and like, seeing that. And then the gospel, uh, gospel guitarist guy, uh, like I started hanging out in his basement, and he had like a four-track recorder and MIDI and keyboards, and I started learning about that. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then his friend had this sampler for the first time, this Sonic thing where you could sample records, and so I was like getting into Wu Tang at the time, and I was like, oh, cool, this is how they make their shit with right. the sampler thing. Cool. So I started sampling. Actually, the guitarist who who sort of got me into studio work, uh, I ran into him. He now lives in Montreal, and his name is DJ uh, Daniel Joseph, and he he is on this record.
2: Oh, there you go! Wow. Uh,
0: he's playing guitar on this record, which is really cool. It's sort of a re- like full circle almost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Getting him on the record, and he's he uh, he's awesome. He actually runs a studio in Montreal now. Actually, that's where we recorded was Katie all her vocal parts was recorded at DJ studio nice um, so that was neat and then and then I moved to Montreal and started collecting records really like a freak and then I got into finding my these Yiddish records and then that whole thing about Yiddish hip-hop started just like <clears throat> by accident finding the music of my history and my culture and trying to put that into music and then people were like oh look you're doing that that's cool come come do that and so that's sort of what Pulled me into actually making music.
2: Okay, quote unquote for a living. That's great. This is. I'm glad I got some background. I didn't know. I think I feel like I had some sense of those things, but that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Now, you you were the center of some controversy not too long ago because you had a hand in creating the new version of the As It Happens theme song, right? (laughs) Yep what can you yep. it's and you put it on this record it's entitled Curried soul 2.0 uh uh-huh. it closes out the record now can you tell us about the experience and why am i wrong it was a bit controversial what you did right
0: okay well here we go so cbc in its infinite wisdom uh decided hey we have this thing that we've been using for 30 years that everybody loves let's fuck with it let's uh let's let's make it hit this Let's was like, this, is, it.
2: this is the theme song for the, the news program, yeah. basically, As It the, Happens, right?
0: Yeah, every day at 6.30, as a kid, my whole life, I listened to As It Happens. It was on in the kitchen, and it's on every single day, and then it's on again at midnight. Right, okay? yep. So they contacted me and a bunch of other producers, and they said, hey, could you do a remix of this thing? And I thought, what a terrible idea. Why mess with an amazing song that everybody loves and everybody has come to identify with this amazing show that's been on for 40 years? Why do that? Well, that's what people do. You know, they want to be cool. They want to be hip. Yeah, It's the worst thing you could do. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't say that to them. I said, yes, what a great gig that would be. And what an honor, frankly, it would be to if I got it. So I worked hard and I made a remix. And I sent it back and they said, We like it. We like yours. You win.
2: What did you do? I never you, win
0: anything. Did you win something? No, but I won the fact that they use my remix every day on As It Happened. Right. On, at six thirty across the country. And again at midnight and again at seven when they play it again. And actually between you and me, they also use the remix of the closing theme that I made. Oh, nice which is like a lesser-known Mo Kaufman tune yeah. Uh, that I also remixed. So, so I got the gig, and what an awesome honor. It really is to be like part of the fabric of Canadian culture. Like it's the most Canadian thing. Like if they would asked me to remix the Hockey Night in Canada theme, you know what I mean? But, when did but this... they don't own the rights to it anymore, so they couldn't do that.
2: Right. When did this happen?
0: I think 2013.
2: Right. Okay. So a couple of years ago, and then so they yeah. uh, make the announcement or whatever. They debut your version of the new theme, yeah. and and I and guess the course, and the ending. And then what happens?
0: And of course, there's an outcry. Like, what are you doing, messing with the great song? Why would you do that? Ah, put it back. You, what's this house techno bullshit? Put back yeah. the Mo the original. Well, they were committed to it, and they did it. And now, nobody probably would even notice that it's different than the original. Like, they won't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's just sort of, it's just, it's like, it's just accepted now. Did you... And now, probably, if they changed it again, people would be in an uproar. Oh, my God, what are you doing changing that brilliant remix that Sokol did of the... You know what I mean? It's just people. uh, It's not just people. It's,
2: It's not just people. I think it's CBC... Uh, and I'm generalizing again but there's every time CBC does anything there is a core following does anything yeah. different I mean there's a core following that just there's like always a backlash no matter what kind of change of they try to implement it's really yeah. strange
0: that's it it's totally strange uh, pfft, whatever the, what what made me okay about the whole thing ultimately was that they interviewed Mo Kaufman's widow oh. Giselle Kaufman I don't know if you heard that interview I did not. Um but but she gave it the thumbs up. She like She gave it. my remix a massive thumbs up. She totally got it and she totally she she like whatever. She said that I like I respected her husband's music and like that I was like that I did a good job. And so to me that was it. Like just hearing this lady giving me giving me the like giving me the uh, the thumbs up. Whoo and but- and because I'm sort of I'm too I'm too anglophone for Quebec, okay? But I'm too Quebec for the rest of Canada. I'm a freak. <laughs> they don't know what to make of me in in Toronto, okay? I've never had a great show in Toronto aside from being like an ethnic music festival or something where I'm playing klezmer or something. Yeah. But, Like as a pop act, forget it. Getting an exclaim, forget it. Like I don't get in that magazine, you know? I don't. Uh, it's it, it was I, I basically was not allowed on cue. Because Gian Gameshi didn't really like me, so I wasn't—I wasn't even allowed on the national sort of cultural show.
2: All right, listen, listen to me, listen to me right now. I'm going to make it my mission to get you an exclaim. I'm going to make it my mission okay. <laughs> to get you on cue. I think this is a travesty. You know, I featured you on my when I worked at CBC. We did a whole thing where we had breakfast together at uh...
0: I know, and and there's a couple people. In, in the CBC world that, like, that like, throw me a bone and that think what I'm doing is worth talking about. And that's cool. And make it your mission to write an article. I could actually, I just got a review and Exclaim, Oh, good. which is a start. And it's actually a pretty great review, but it's not in the print edition, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm just not in, on the radar, and that's, I don't know why and whatever. But I thought if I put the As It Happens theme song, the remix, The Curried Soul... If I put it on my CD, then maybe people in the rest of Canada and in Toronto could maybe wrap their head around. They could go, "Oh, look, it's that it's that song from that radio show," and oh, that's cute. And maybe it would sort of be a gateway, gateway to the rest of the music. So I put it on the record, and I made like a sticker that goes on the CD that says, "Contains the As It Happens theme."
2: I saw that. Yeah,
0: as, as a way, like really, as a cynical way move to like try to get like <laughs> to get some some like uh whatever in Toronto. Did
2: you we'll see what happens did you hear personally, like via Twitter or whatever messaging, social media messaging, did C B C people, like listeners contact you or refer to you directly to voice their their opinion of the song?
0: Uh you mean when the remix was done?
2: Yeah. Like were you being added on Twitter and being like, you screwed up the show or that's great. Yeah, there was, there was, yeah absolutely. There
0: was a ton of reaction to it. Okay. And some of it was, a ton of it was positive, you know?
2: Sure.
0: And, uh, and a bunch of it was not, and whatever. But usually it was not critical of the, like, of the music itself. It was just critical of the, hey, what the hell are you doing, messing with yeah, the As It Happens theme song. But it wasn't my idea. Like, I'm just a I'm just guy who's looking to make a living with music. And so if you give me a gig... I mean, I don't know if I'd make the soundtrack to Triumph of the Will for for, <laughs> for Lenny Riefenstahl if she wanted me to do the soundtrack.
2: Good judgment but there. I probably yeah. would.
0: No, I, you don't, know?
2: don't do that. Times are tough. D- please don't do that. Don't do that? Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Well, luckily, it's not going to happen anytime soon. So. Well, what, is, uh, what is actually next for you, Josh? Are you coming to Ontario? Are you, are you doing any touring? What, what's up?
0: There's a bit of touring here and there, for sure. And I just had the first, basically, like the record release party where for this, Thing in Quebec City, and so it was the first time really performing these songs live, and that was fascinating. And we need more rehearsal for the CD release party this week in Montreal. Uh, and I'm playing the Luminato Festival this summer in Toronto. Nice. So that's a that's a cool way to come to Toronto.
2: What's the date on um, that? Do you know the date?
0: Eek, not really, but it's on my uh, sort of newly revamped website, so music.com. Okay. It should be there somewhere. Okay. Uh there's I, I don't think I'm a hillside this year so I don't know if I'll see you in
2: your yeah, no, I can I I have a car and a, I can get around <laughs> I can go to Toronto How's the baby Uh well there's two now the the new yi yi. Uh, Ramona's good yeah the the youngest baby is very good and then the boy is great but also acting out a little bit now just like push. How old He's all four. he's going to be 4 in July and then uh yeah the the the, the youngin is 5 months
0: Cool, because, yeah, you just had a baby when I made the last record.
2: Yes, that's right. Well, yes. time flies. It does. It's pretty nuts, actually. It's weird how quick. Uh, no, things are good, and as, as I say, the family's good, and every once in a while I still seem to get out and about, so I'll come and see you <laughs> wherever where you are. I'm a fan. I like you. You're going to bring the... Cool, man. Gonna... I'm a fan of YouTube, man, so wow, I keep up the good work. I appreciate that. You're bringing, like, a band with you? You're going to bring this thing to life?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, my band is... Pretty solid, like we've been playing together a lot uh, for years now. So it's often this guy, Jean Sebastien Williams, on the guitar or Kim Ho on the guitar. Yep. And then I sort of have two bass players, either Patrice Agaboku or Mike Felber, and they both play on this record. Uh, and then there's a drummer, Jamie Thompson, from who you know because he's from Guelph. Yep, yep. He's an awesome drummer. Uh, this guy is sort of jazz saxophone player, Eric Hove, and Katie. And then the and then we try to recreate the sort of records that are super multi-layered uh, with many voices and stuff. We have to do it all, so right. So so it's fun to watch us like flailing about trying to recreate that music.
2: I I encourage everyone to go see so called the new album is called People Watching. It's out now via Dare to Care Records, and you can get more info about it and him at SoCalledMusic.com. Uh, Josh, if we were to go out on a song right now from the new album, which one would you select?
1: Ooh,
0: I don't know which uh, Maybe either People Watching, which is pretty fun. Are you going to play some other tunes in this thing? or? Well, what, what at doing? the
2: beginning, I'll do a little intro thing, and just as I'm doing the intro of you, it'll kind of fade mm-hmm. out. It'll be like a bed like it'll be like a okay. minute, a minute of a song, and then a bed. You can pick, <laughs> you can pick that one too if you want. And then, okay. and then I it,
0: mean, whatever. Just no, you pick
2: anything. No, uh, no. The thing no, is that no, people watching. Wanna, okay, you pick. Okay. I want you to pick. People both. watching
0: the song is like deceptive because it's like almost neo soul. It's almost like a retro kind of tune, and the rest of the record isn't really like that. It's, the rest of it's quite contemporary.
2: Yeah, let me uh, let me say this. Let me say this to you right now. Yep. I think for the little intro bed music, we should play "People Watching." But then, cool. But then now yep. for the song, yep. the whole song, we should pick something totally different. And I think you should pick it because you you want to put okay. forth something. I mean, we talked about three songs, yep. I think, on the show, but you pick one something else.
0: I quite like uh, "Never See You Again," which is really a very personal song that came out of a lot of hellishness in my life. Uh, And I think, but there's still a hint of the sort of old so-called like Yiddish theater melody in there, Uh but just a hint. And then there's a funky, it's got a bunch of interesting stuff. It's got Fred Wesley. It's got Pierre, Pierre Paul. It's got Katie. Um, Check it out.
2: Okay. Let's hear it now. This is never see you again by so-called Josh, an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for your time today.
0: Likewise, I'm sure. Thank you. And yo, I have a new Instagram thing called, and it's people watching, but with two E's. P-E-E-P-L-E, watching.
2: We have to work on your so, spelling. You and I need to have a sit down, because <laughs> you're spelling everything wrong.
0: I know. I that's what I, I don't even see it. I can't even notice. <laughs> I'm that bad. It's like, it looks fine to me. People watching. Great.
2: Okay, so Instagram... Uh, unfortunately,
0: it's not the same.
2: Yeah. The Instagram is at people watching, with, but with two E's in the beginning of the... People.
0: Yes. And and, and I am lo- a sort of I'm a frustrated photographer, so that's sort of a fun way to see the image side of so called if you're curious.
2: Okay, I'll follow you on Instagram. That's great to know. Alright, here it is. This is what go, what is there something else? You want to plug something else before we hear the song?
0: Uh, no, I think that's a pretty good start.
2: <laughs> All right, here it is. So called. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Vish.
1: felt so long, before, before that I, I met, met you, you, felt so, so, much, so much more alone when I was with you, now that you're gone,
0: and after all that sh-
1: I, guess I guess I still, still want, you want you back, I yeah, there's somebody, somebody say, wanted you, you back, when, when I didn't have bad. you, wanted you gone when I finally I got, got you, thought I was right. Knew you were wrong, and after all that shit,
0: thought I knew
1: the
2: difference.
1: And yeah, I'm perfectly happy to never see you again.
0: I take it all back, now you won't even call back Happy memories, don't fill up the USB key Post-erotic recipe, PTSD me Try to run away, got me to crawl back And I'll probably take you back After all that
1: Now that you back I wish I could leave you
0: Say you love me, but I never believe you Do I was
1: right
0: Thought you were wrong And after all that sh- I, guess I guess I still want you back After
1: all that
0: sh- I, I guess, guess I'll say totally Won't you, you back will Want you
1: Back And after all that sh- back. Not so sure that I'm happy To never see you again Not so sure that I'm happy To never see you again Not so sure that I'm happy. So sure, I'm not so sure that I'm
0: happy to never see you again. Never see you again, no, girl, girl. And after all that I guess I still want you, you back. Want you. And after all that sh- I guess I still want back. you back, girl.
1: Want you And after all that I guess I still want you back.